Back in the 70s, the mantra for teens was peace and love. In the 80s, the mantra for most teen boys was skate or die. Flash forward 20 years, and what do our youths care about? What's the Wi-Fi password? Thank you for tuning into What's the Wi-Fi Password, a place where we have discussions about topics and issues that are relevant to the teens in our generation and how to point them towards the gospel. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about this podcast, please email Joshua Shively at joshuas at calvary.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of What's the Wi-Fi Password. My name is Tate. I am a youth leader at Calvary Monterey, and this is our 16th episode of Sheltering in Place. We are in Monterey County, and Monterey has been sheltering in place for about 16 days, and we've been putting out an episode to you guys Monday through Friday um, to encourage you, to give you some challenges, to motivate you, to just continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord, and just another way for us to connect with you during this time where we can't be physically together, but hoping to connect with you guys virtually online. And I'm really excited today. We have um, Andy back with us. What's up, Andy? How are you today? Hey, how's it going, everyone? It's good to be with you all today. Uh, took a little break from yesterday's podcast, but now I am back in action and looking forward to another episode. Awesome. And then, you know, we just got so tired of Pastor Joshua and all his shenanigans. We had to invite our senior pastor from Calvary Monterey over. So Pastor Nate Holdridge is with us today. How are you, Nate? Oh my gosh, Tate. I'm so pumped up to be on this podcast. My biggest fear right now is that I'm going to ruin it because <laughs> you guys have been killing it. I'm not going to say that I've listened to all previous 15 episodes, but I have listened to a handful and you guys are, you have perfected the podcast game. I think it's just awesome what you guys are doing. In all seriousness, the thing that I love about it is because you're here every day, this can be like a really lonely time for a lot of people. And sometimes it's just fun to like pop in the headphones and like listen to you guys banter and talk about the Lord a little bit. And it's not too long and you guys are just doing a great job. So thank you. And thanks for having me on today. Yeah, no, we love it too. Andy, Joshua and I always say that it's like our best part of our day getting to connect with one another for a few days. And so um, well, we have some questions for you because I thought it'd be really fun for the students and parents listening to maybe get to know you in a different way. We're youth ministry, so we're known for doing some like, you know, a little outside the box things, asking the crazy fun questions, uh, not always obeying all the rules. So we're just going to get maybe a different side of Pastor Nate than we would if we ran into you on a Sunday. So you can Andy, give it your best shot. Let's see what happens. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to this, Nate. All right. So first question, I think this is a really important one. There's a lot of people listening to this podcast in need of some deep spiritual and pastoral guidance from you on this topic. So question one, what is your go-to quarantine snack? Oh, man. Well, 
I think I, I've just got to say for us in the Holdridge family, I, I think my girls are probably like overdosed on it by this time. But Christina and I, we are huge homemade popcorn people, you know, where we get the big pan, pour in the olive oil, get it simmering, put in the kernels. And I've been known to hammer a bowl that's like three times as big as my head <laughs> of popcorn with like three bubbly waters. <laughs> so that's that's a big time go go to move for me is to go with the go with the popcorn. Mm, that's a great option. Yeah, but not a, too a, a strong a strong second place is black licorice from Trader Joe's. If anybody out there is listening and they want to give me some of those for Easter, you know, ship them to my house or something. Black licorice. Black licorice. Yeah. So for all of you who tried to go grocery shopping, the stock up in, on snacks and everything except black licorice was pillaged, which is the usual scenario. Uh, you can send those past your Nate's way. Maybe you can start up a trade system or something. Well, it was actually me that has hoarded the black licorice on the Monterey Peninsula. We're totally <laughs> out of toilet paper, but we have all kinds of black licorice over here. <laughs> all right, Nate, question number two. If you had to replace your hands with something other than hands, what would you choose? Whew. If I had to replace my hands with something other than hands, man, maybe like those, uh, you know, those Leatherman tools that just have like every tool imaginable. But I think the question would be like, do I have functionality of whatever goes on there? Like if it's just an inanimate object that's placed onto my wrist and I have no control of it, I don't think that those would really help me. I'd probably pick like, I don't know, like some kind of like paddle or something that I could just kind of move around and like pick stuff up with. But if I had full functionality, I think I'm going like a Leatherman tool, you know, wouldn't that be cool to just like extend your hand and like reach out your fingertip, but your fingertips not really a fingertip anymore. It's actually like a nail clipper from your Leatherman and you just <laughs> clip your friend's fingernail with your fingernail. I mean, that'd be pretty wild. So if I had full functionality, a leather, Leatherman on both hands. On oh, both hands. That's a good one. <laughs> that, that is great. I asked uh, Austin, like I was trial running some of these questions with him, and he right away was like, octopuses. So, <laughs> <laughs> Not just a tentacle, but a full octopus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, question number three. I'm going to list off four different things. And the question is, if you could only keep one of these things for the rest of shelter in place, which would you choose? Music, reading, streaming video, like YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, all of that, or phone, text, and video conversations? Reading, hands down. I appreciate Without that. Without a doubt. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. All right. But, I mean, basically, if, if the streaming one means that I can't stream teachings to two people, then I'd pick the streaming one. But as long as I'm able to read and still stream to people, then I'm fine without being streamed to. I'm not mm. saying I don't like Netflix. I do, but I'd rather, I'd rather be able to read. Can't take that mm. from me. Great answer. 
All right, number four. We've only got two more. What album would be featured as the soundtrack for a movie about your life? Oh, man. What album? I mean, this is kind of going way back. But I mean, it depends on like what part of my life, you know, like if you're if you're trying to tell the tale of like my high school years, then just some old school classic like Beastie Boys License to Ill or something like that would just be like quintessential white boy Nate Holdridge back in the day. So that's what I'll go with. I would love for that to still be the soundtrack of even my pastoral life somehow, some way. <laughs> Fantastic. That, that's the greatest. I knew you were going to come with some like late 80s, early 90s hip hop. Oh, yeah. The golden okay. era. Yes. The last question. If from now on you could only decorate your property with lawn gnomes or portraits where it feels like the eyes follow you wherever you go, which one would you pick? Lawn gnomes. The the portrait thing, that's just so creepy. <laughs> I I the lawn gnome thing has never really creeped me out, but the portraits where the eyes follow you, ooh, it gives me the heebies. So no way. In Disneyland with the haunted mansion uh ride, does that ride like creep you out when the eyes follow you and stuff like that? Oh yeah. I mean like I, I went to Disneyland when I was a kid a bunch and I think I went on that ride like a handful of times and I think I did it even on like the high school graduation like night you know when everybody goes yeah and I could not believe it when I became a dad and my kids wanted to go on that <laughs> ride I'm like no it's terrible it's like why don't we just go look at demons or something this is horrible I can't believe you want to do this but they just think it's hilarious yeah, yeah, that ride has never been my favorite either. Even the big chair that you sit in and have the way it spins you so you can't see what's coming, I don't yeah. like that at all. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, well, you guys, we have been talking about the days leading up to Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection on Sunday because this week we are celebrating Easter. And yesterday we encouraged you guys to read um, about. Uh, in Luke chapter, no, John, oh gosh. Okay, wait, let me look, let me look. Give me a second. Luke, yeah, I was right. Luke chapter 20, verses 1 through 40. And today we are going to be looking at Luke 20, 41 through 47, and then 22, 1 through 6. And really the focus is on Judas. So a lot of you guys have probably heard about this man, Judas. He's infamous for betraying Jesus. He was one of the 12 disciples. And uh, he, yeah, this his whole, the whole part of him in this redemption story is kind of crazy because he really, from the beginning was, it seems like appointed or set out to put Jesus on the cross. And without him betraying Jesus, uh, I'm sure Jesus would have still been crucified because the Pharisees were just so against him. You know, the government officials, they wanted him gone. Um, but Judas was really the person that uh, Satan went to to ultimately betray Jesus. And so, um, Andy, I'm going to give you some time. To, do you have a Bible on you, Andy? 
No? Okay, okay. Then I'm going to read from Luke 22. I'm just going to read the first six verses, and then I'm going to encourage you guys to read the other passages about Judas, but from the other Gospels, and we'll say those at the end. But from Luke 22, verses 1 through 6, it says, I'm reading from the NLT version. The festivals of unleavened bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and teachers of the religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples. And when he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to portray Jesus to them, they were delighted and they promised to give him money. So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. So that's his story, basically. Judas seems to be, from what we can tell from scripture, a very greedy man uh, who loved money and was enticed with money to ultimately betray his Lord. And Jesus knew this was going to happen. There's several times in uh, his ministry where he says, you know, to the disciples, one of you among me is going to betray me. And there's been some foreshadowing of it. Um, but I kind of am wondering, Andy and Pastor Nate, basically what you guys think about Judas being the one who led him away. I mean, the passage uses some pretty crazy uh, language saying that Satan entered into Judas Iscariot. So what do you guys think about that? Like, how is that even possible? Could Satan enter into me? Like, do I have to be worried about that? What do you guys think? Nate, I'll let you, or Andy, we're going to let you go first. Yeah, well, I was actually unmuting myself to say I'm going to let Pastor Nate go first so that I don't say the wrong thing. I can just agree with him after he <laughs> explains it to us. <laughs> I know, this, this topic's crazy. Yeah, his story is a, is a fascinating and, and wild story. Uh, the thing is, is that there were many prophecies in the Old Testament that even predicted the how of Jesus's betrayal, uh, that a friend would betray him, that he would be betrayed for the price of 30 pieces of silver. Um, are some of the prophecies found in the Old Testament uh, relating to Judas? Uh, Jesus himself said in Luke 22, verse 22, reading a little bit further, the son of man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So this happened according to the foreknowledge uh, and plan of God, according to Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 23. So it's something that God determined, that God planned, that God predicted, and that God foreknew. But on the other hand, Judas was held responsible by God for his actions. Um, so what you have in Judas is the extreme case of the combination of God being in control and sovereign over every event in all of humanity, but also holding us responsible for our decisions and our actions. And I think ultimately how those two things are able to mix together is bound up in the mystery that is God. He's just bigger than us. He's able to be sovereign, yet still allow us our own decisions. And Judas made his decisions. It was probably the night before, so we're talking about Wednesday right now, 
on this podcast, it was probably the night before on Tuesday night that the last straw for Judas happened when, uh, remember when Mary came and broke the alabaster flask on Jesus's feet and the house was filled with the fragrant smell and every Judas started the rumor or not rumor, but he started to tell everybody, Hey, we, he should have sold that and given the money to the poor instead of wasting yeah. it. Yeah. That seems to have been like the last straw because Jesus rebuked Judas for feeling that way. And then at that point he left and determined that he was going to find an opportune way to betray Jesus. So just something that was brewing in his heart for a long time. And, uh, you know, Satan is a, is a, we don't, there's a lot that we don't know about Satan from the Bible. I know you guys watched the Bible project thing last week and learned that he's always trying to destroy the garden environment of God. And that's a good way to think about him. Jesus said he came to steal and kill and destroy. Um, but there are some things that we just don't know. We think that he was an angel that was responsible for leading worship in heaven before he then rebelled against God and became a fallen angel, a leader of the demonic realm, other angels that he convinced to, to betray God in a one-time rebellion against God. But it's hard to know with total certainty. But like you see throughout the Gospels, there were times where people let themselves get so dark that their hearts were opened up to the demonic realm. It seems that's what Judas did. He, he got so dark and so anti-Jesus that his life was opened up to Satan. So I would say if someone is a Christian, it's impossible for any demon, let alone Satan, to come and be inside of them because the Spirit of God lives inside of you if you're a Christian. And the Spirit of God will not share that habitation, will not share your body with anybody else. Hmm. That's, that's a great explanation, Nate. Uh, one question I have is I'm listening to you there. I think it's a common question people have about Judas and similarly about figures in Scripture like Saul um, and Solomon, where they would look at Judas and ask, okay, it, was he ever a genuine believer and a genuine follower of Jesus? Um, and if he became one of the 12 apostles, it seems like that would be the case, unless Jesus intentionally put him in knowing everything that would happen. Um, but do you think he was a genuine follower who was over time led away from his faith in Jesus? You know, Andy, it's a great question. And th to be honest, there are some who think that he was. And there are even some who think that God's grace extended to him after uh, he betrayed Jesus. Because if you remember in the gospel accounts, he eventually felt sorrowful over what he did. He tried to bring the money back to the religious leaders and they wouldn't take it because it was blood money. So he threw it on the ground. They didn't know what to do with it. They couldn't put it in their general treasury. It was like against their rules to take assassination money to help like fund their jobs. So they took the money and they bought a field uh, where they would bury strangers in. Uh, so some people think that, and then Judas went out and he, he hung himself. He committed suicide because of the guilt that overwhelmed him in that moment. And some people have thought that that act of sorrow was an act of repentance and that he was restored to the Lord. But here's what Jesus said about him. He said, it would have been good for that man if he'd never been born. And I just have a hard time imagining that someone who 
is a legitimate Christian who's going to go to heaven to be with, with God forever, that Jesus would ever describe him as someone who it would be better for him if he'd never been born. So to me, uh, my reading of it is that he was the betrayer. He never was a full legitimate believer. I mean, the thing you have to remember about all the disciples is that none of them had the indwelling experience of the spirit during Jesus's earthly ministry. They weren't born again like you and me are born again. It was only after he rose from the dead and then breathed on them the Holy Spirit that the Spirit came to live inside of them and they experienced what we've experienced in regeneration. So he might have like mentally for a while been thinking, I think Jesus is the Messiah, but that's not the same as us placing our faith in Jesus and being born again. So I think he committed suicide before that era even began. So I personally don't think that he was ever a legitimate believer. Yeah, I think as a, I'm just thinking about the students and maybe they're trying to get in their heads a little bit of what their thoughts might be about this. I think ultimately, like to me, the friend part is the craziest part because um, I'm sure you know, in our lifetime, we're going to have so many friends, or at least, you know, if we're around people and in community, we should have a lot of friends in our lifetime. And Judas, like you said, in the beginning, he was a friend of Jesus. He was part of the 12. He was walking with them, eating meals with them, doing all the things that friends would do. And um, I think it might just be from my perspective, like as a girl and friendships are sometimes a little bit tough and awkward uh, friendship is hard. And sometimes we feel betrayed by our friends or sometimes we're the friend doing the betraying, not even really knowing it. Um, because ultimately like we're all kind of selfish. We all kind of want something for ourselves out of friendship. And it's really hard to, um, just focus in on the serving and the loving and the considering others better than yourself part of, being a disciple following Jesus and being that kind of friend that's like a really hard skill to learn even as a young adult I struggle with that with my own friends and so yeah I just think but that's the story that I keep or that's the part of the story that I keep reflecting on is man like how Lord can I truly be a follower of you like how better than I am now, like, what do I need to cut out of my life that's going to distract me from or lead me astray? Like, we, like you were saying, it seems like Judas from the beginning, I'm not even like comparing myself to him at all. But at this point, I don't think students should be worried about comparing themselves to Judas. But I think the thing that they should think about is, you know, what truths do I maybe challenge God on or not fully believe that maybe could lead me astray a little bit or maybe take me away from the truth of the scripture or God and how's that going to impact my friendships that I'm having? What kind of friends am I having? Are they going to lead me astray? Um, am I putting myself in good community with the right people or are there some Judases in my life that are maybe, you know, not making the best choices, not doing the right things? Um, because we want to act and imitate Christ. Is, is the goal, right? For To bring us from one glory to the next glory and over and over again, that sanctification process. And so as you guys have some like solo time and, and quiet time, just think about the story, reread um, the passage, Luke 22, 
one through six, go back and finish up. You can read all the way actually from Luke 20 through 22. And the Lord has, or Jesus did some teachings in between there that were really good, kind of saying over and over again that he's the Messiah. He's coming to say that he was going to die and kind of foreshadowing what was going to be happening. But um, Nate and Andy, what are some of kind of your last closing thoughts and what do you think the students should reflect on about this particular passage in this week? Yeah, my, uh, my thought on what to reflect on in this week is as we think about Judas and we think about him betraying Jesus and we see like uh, just, just where my mind goes and where I know talking to middle schoolers or some of you guys, your mind kind of goes with passages like this, is we worry and fear like what if I'm Judas or what if I'm going to be like Judas? What if I'm someone who, you know, thinks I follow God now, but then all of a sudden I'll get into high school or I'll go to college, I'll leave Calvary Monterey, like whatever happens, I'll, I'll move to the next season of life. And then all of a sudden my faith in Jesus disappears. I fall into sin. I, I fall into, you know, different beliefs outside of the Christian faith. And um, we can develop like a, a fear to that. And there's a side of that fear that's really healthy. Like there's a side of just understanding that by our own strength, we are not able to live a life of faithfulness because we're such great people. And so my closing thought after setting that up is just to say to rely on the grace of Jesus. You know, the remedy against falling into the trap that Judas fell into, the remedy against, you know, falling into sin and then eventually diving into sin and living in sin is to trust in the grace of God, is to trust in Jesus's forgiveness in your life, his power to bring transformation into your life. And I think one crucial thing that comes from believing in the grace of Jesus is admitting and accepting the fact that we're sinful people. Because uh, if our goal as Christians is to pretend that we are not sinful people, I've seen this in my own life, we tend to fall more into sin than when we're open, when we confess and repent before others, when we're willing to take our temptations and struggles and failures into the light. So I just encourage you guys, trust in the grace of Jesus and let his grace give you the boldness to take sin public in order to be able to prevent it from growing any further. Well, I really love both of your thoughts about Judas. I think the only thing that I would add to it all is just in really asking the question, what made Judas be the one who fell away? What it was at the end of the day wasn't so much that he was just a bad seed, a bad guy. It wasn't even so much that, you know, he was a sinner or something like that. What it was, was he had an idea in his mind of what Jesus should be. And Jesus wasn't that. He thought Jesus should drive out the Romans, set up a visible kingdom right then and there. And that's what he was about. That's what he wanted to see Jesus do. And when Jesus wouldn't do the things that Judas wanted, that's when Judas's heart began to turn against Christ. And many modern people do this very same thing. 
They think, I'll be down with Jesus as long as he takes away all my trials. I'll be down with Jesus as long as he gives me all the friends that I think I want. I'll be down with Jesus as long as he makes my life better in the ways that I want him to make my life better. But if you really want to make sure that you don't end up like Judas, basically just let Jesus be Jesus. Let him do what he wants to do and let him be in charge and let him reveal himself to you and just say, hey, this is who I am. Accept me for who I am. Trust my wisdom, even when you don't understand, because I'm sure there were moments where Judas thought, why is Jesus doing it like this? But it's better to just say, he's the infinite son of God. Even when I don't understand, I just need to submit myself to him because he must know better than me. But Judas just couldn't get that in his head. He thought, I know better than Jesus. And that's ultimately, I think, what led him to be so disappointed, disillusioned with Jesus that he turned against him. So just let Jesus be who Jesus is. And I think we're on safe ground. Amen. That's so good. Well, Pastor Nate, thank you so much for being on here with us. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, you can email us at any time. You can email Andy at Calvary.com or Tate, T-A-T-E at Calvary.com. You can connect with us on Instagram, YM Youth ministry and that's youth ministry calvary and then um yeah we love to connect with you guys we're on marco polo all those good things but we miss you we love you we're praying for you and i really encourage you to take the time read through these things think about them journal your thoughts down ask us questions if you have questions if we didn't answer something about judas or this part of the story and yeah i hope you guys have a good day andy would you mind praying us out? Absolutely. I'd love to. Cool. Lord Jesus, I just want to pray along the lines of what Pastor Nate just shared. And I pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, direct our hearts to submit and obey you. Lord, I pray that any rebellious thoughts and desires that we have, Lord, any desires for our glory or our kingdom to be built, Lord, or any uh, anger and frustration with who you are in your nature and, Lord, the way you operate in this world that you created and rule over. Lord, I pray that you would clear those out of our hearts. Lord, help us to bring ourselves before your feet in worship. Lord, worshiping the true and genuine Jesus, not a made-up version that feels more acceptable or more accepting of our lifestyle or more fun and easy and comforting. Lord, we want to worship the real and true Jesus. So Father, help us to, for one, know who you are with clarity and faith. Lord, for two, help us to obey and worship you with our lives. We ask this, Jesus, in your true name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, last thing I wanted to mention actually is you can uh, get articles and actually use Pastor Nate's website. It's nateholders.com to help answer questions. Sometimes when I have a question, I'll, you, there's a search bar. You just type in what your question is like Trinity or prayer, and you can use that as a tool to help you answer questions he's written 
over like 500 articles, I think. And there's just so many articles. They're short usually. There's sometimes a teaching attached, but that's a great, great tool. If you're coming across reading um, things that you don't understand, you can use that um, website, nateholders.com, and search things. If you didn't know I was going to say that, you didn't ask me to, but I genuinely use it. And I think it's a great tool for you guys as students as well. So wash your hands and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good day. Calvary Monterey's youth ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.